0: Hi, it's Chris Vallotton here. Welcome to my podcast where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. One of the best ways that you can do this is by reading my newest book, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. Before you get started with today's message, I wanted to let you know that it's now available wherever you buy your books, whether it's Amazon or Barnes & Noble. I wrote Poverty, Riches, and Wealth to help you move from the never-enough mentality into a true kingdom abundance from the inside out. Check it out, and I hope you enjoy this message. let grab a hand right where you're sitting. I know we've prayed a lot tonight already. I think there's something powerful about Easter, but there's something very powerful about tonight. I shared at the noon service, this took almost a completely different direction as the Lord just began to Moved powerfully this afternoon, and I really feel like there are things in our lives that need resurrected. Anybody have anything you've left for dead that needs to be alive? And thought this, I thought that this—I thought that uh, that that uh, reading was so profound. And um, I just want us to pray for our neighbors right now that you would, that that they would just. Receive back by resurrection all the promises that have gone unfulfilled this morning, this afternoon, this evening, in the days ahead. All the promises that have gone unfulfilled in your life. Maybe the ones that have died. Maybe you've had a miscarriage, you've been through a divorce, you've lost a loved one or... Maybe you, as Eric prayed earlier for, your body needs to be restored. Whatever it is that somewhere between the promise and the palace, your promise got dislodged and got off the path. And maybe you're maybe tonight you're disillusioned over a, something that's happened in your life. If you're watching by Bethel TV, I want to encourage you just to kneel right in your room, right where you're at. And just join us in this act of resurrection. <clears throat> Jesus said if two of you agree upon earth upon, as, as to touching anything, it will be done for them. And there's quite a few more people in here than two. So let's just push into this for a moment. Just begin to pray for your neighbor wherever there is a need for resurrection in their life. Lord, we just pray that right now. Just begin to pray for your neighbor. Holy Spirit, come. And just bring life to dead things. We just pray for life where there was once dead things. We release life. I have this picture uh, of a, a house, beautiful house, with a locked door. And it says disappointment over it. And I believe that's a vision of what's happening right now that there's a door in, in our house that we haven't, that we, we don't go to. We just don't go to that door anymore. When people come over, we hide that door. We don't even let them know there's a door there. And the Lord wants to open the door of disappointment and create a resurrection there. I love what um, Bill brought out many years ago about this story of Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, before John was born, the angel of the Lord said to Zacharias, I guess in the Greek it says, the prayers you no longer pray, I've come to answer. There are things that you hoped for years ago, you do not even pray them anymore. They're behind the door of disappointment. You don't go there anymore. You don't even want to talk about it. It's already happened. It's past. And I believe in resurrections. This is Resurrection Sunday. So I want you to pray for yourself. Maybe you believed you were going to get married and that guy or that gal broke it off at the last minute. I just have all of these stories coming to my mind right now. Just flipping like pages of things that happened. You were excited. I even see someone even bought their wedding dress and and then it was broke off. And the Lord says, this is resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. And Lord, I just release that over people right now in Jesus' name. And I pray that this would be such a powerful Sunday that we would remember it as the day God resurrected my dreams and fulfilled his promises. And I bless you in Jesus' name you can let go of hands. And Lord, we bless the word tonight. <clears throat> we pray that things that were dead would come to life tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good. All right. Let's read the Bible. Sort of come to that. Turn to John chapter 20. I, um, I, I'm obviously talking about the resurrection tonight and uh, <coughs> hopefully share some some good stuff tonight. John chapter 20. I read all the stories of the resurrection this week. And um, just in my own devotional time. I really uh, like the fact that so many authors saw the resurrection differently. They saw different parts of, of the story of, of, uh, of Easter. I like John's so, though. So chapter 20 of John. We're just going to read uh, most of the chapter from verse 1 to verse 23. <clears throat> now the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw that the stone already had been taken away from the tomb. I, I, I was in that tomb two years ago. I didn't stay there. <laughs> I was in Israel and we went into the, the Lord's tomb. I'm like, ooh, claustrophobic. <laughs> so she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken, out, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. (laughs) It's funny that John's gospel is the only one that records that John got to the tomb before Peter. It's a pretty important fact in the resurrection story that John got there first. Thank you, John, for the insights into the resurrection. And stooping in, he saw the linen wrapping lying there, but he didn't go in. And so Simon also came, following him, and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on the head, not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, who had first come to the tomb, then entered, and he saw and believed. For yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, So the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stood and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting at the head and at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to the brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I've seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. (laughs) That's a good thing to say when you walk through a wall. (laughs) Peace be with you. And clean up this mess. And when he had said this, He showed them both his hands and side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I have also sent you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. I love it. When we were um, worshiping uh, this afternoon, Alden, one of the worship leaders, I was repeating this phrase, On the third day, there was a plot twist. On the third day, there was a plot twist. I thought that was kind of cool. Day one wasn't too good. Day two wasn't too good. But on the third day, there was a twist to the plot. And I wrote this, When Jesus rose from the dead, he eternally disarmed the destructive weapons of sin, death, hell, and the grave. For sin could not tempt him, death could not defeat him, hell could not keep him, and the grave cannot hold him. <clears throat> um, Colossians 1.15. Why don't you turn there? We're going to read quite a bit of scripture. We're kind of, we to that in church quite a bit. <laughs> Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him, And for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning. The first born from the dead. He's the first born from the dead. So that he himself would come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. And through him I say whether things on earth or things in heaven. You know... um, <clears throat> it's interesting here that when jesus rose from the dead uh, paul said in colossians that he became the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from the dead how many know that jesus wasn't the first one to rise from the dead how many know lazarus rose from the dead before jesus jesus rose lazarus from the dead how many know there was a little girl that jesus rose from the dead And there was another person I forget uh, the story who were rose from the dead. And how many know there was the Old Testament story of uh, Elisha when he died? They they threw uh, uh, a soldier into his into his tomb, and when his bones touched Elijah, that he when he when he touched Elijah's bones, he came back from the dead. And there's a story in the Book of Ezekiel thirty-seven of the Valley of Dry Bones and Ezekiel prophesied and the dry bones became a mighty army. How many know that there was many people who rose from the dead before Jesus? But Jesus didn't just rise from the dead, he was the firstborn of all creation. How many know that Jesus died on the cross as a man? Jesus is both fully man and fully God. Let me be clear, I believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. But how many understand that he died on the cross as a man to deliver those that were human from sin. But when he rose from the dead, he was the firstborn of creation. You know, in the Old Testament, when the firstborn carried the birthright, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was the first person, first human ever born again now I understand that the the theology people like you know Bill's got in trouble for saying Jesus was born again but let me say it differently then Jesus was the first one born of a woman and then born again (laughs) he was the first one born of a woman and born a second time Jesus didn't just rise from the dead he was actually born again And Colossians says that he was born again to be the first one born of a new creation. He held first place, he became the first one, and we became his legacy. Everyone who's born again, he was the first person ever to be born again. How many know that Lazarus was was resurrected, but Lazarus died? How many know the little girl Jesus rose from the dead? Eventually, she died. The man who touched Elijah's bones came to life, Elisha's bones came to life, but how many know, he died. But when Jesus came out of the grave, he was born a second time and he never died. He conquered death, sin in the grave. Are you with me? Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. He wasn't just resurrected. He was born. Firstborn of all new creation. (laughs) That's just such a good word. In Colossians chapter 2, oh, i got to read it from my Bible. I just messed it up. In Colossians chapter 2, you can find it as soon as I do. Chapter 2, it says this. Oops. It says something really powerful. Verse. Uh, I think we'll start from verse 9. For in him, speaking of Jesus, is all the fullness of the deity, dwells in bodily form. In him we have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands in the removal of the body of the flesh, but the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcised in your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of your transgressions. Listen to this And having canceled out the certificate of death, consisting of decrees against us, which were hostile towards us, he has taken them away, and he has nailed them to the cross. Listen to this verse. This is my favorite verse. And when he had had disarmed the rulers and authorities, listen to this. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Oh, you got to get this. Let me read this one more time. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. How many know when Jesus rose from the dead, he defeated the enemy. He wasn't just the first one. He wasn't the first one to to be resurrected, but how many you know? He was the first one to defeat the enemy in resurrection because Jesus died once and for all. Jesus died once and for all. He wasn't going to die again. He didn't get resurrected to die again. He died once and for all. I didn't originate this thought, but somebody once said that if the devil would have known what was going to happen at the cross, he would have killed everybody who was trying to kill Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross and when, on, on the third day he rose again, Jesus showed the devil, publicly displayed the devil as defeated, disarmed and defeated. <laughs> no, no, I'm trying. In John chapter 12, verse 23, Jesus is talking about the death and resurrection in a metaphor, as Jesus often did. And he said this, Jesus answered, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 has become one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His de- eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen in what God made. Now let me put these two verses together. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen, how? In creation, in what God made. Jesus said if a seed dies, and you put it in the ground. In fact, he goes on to say, unless the seed dies, and it's put in the ground, it can't bear fruit. Are you with me? And what I'm getting at is this. Every time you have something that dies, you put it in the ground, You don't carry it around in your purse or your wallet. Here's my seed. It died. I was hoping for a... Whatever. (laughs) To be careful not to offend anybody. I'm very careful about offending people. Here's my seed. What was that? It was a dream I had. It died. This is my disappointment. I just... Carry it around. Show people. Here it is. How many you know, if you take a seed, let's say an apple seed, you take an apple seed, you can carry it around in your know, wallet, in your purse, and my apple seed, there it is. <laughs> what is that? My disappointment is just carry it around with me. It's my marriage, my divorce, right here. Just carry it around with me right here. Make sure it's the pain just stays with me. I just This is my and just goes on, right? We all have this. When you take a seed, you look at a, under a microscope, I understand I'm not a scientist, so forgive me if this is only partly accurate. The rest of the message is more accurate than this part. And you look under a microscope, and you're going to see what. A dead seed. Dead. No life. No observable life. I take the seed. I put it in the ground. What's it going to do? It's going to rot. It's called germinate. I put it in the ground. I put some water. I put some sunlight. I create a place for the resurrection to happen put one seed in the ground what happens in time it grows a whole tree and that tree creates apples if it's an apple seed and every apple has more seeds than that one seed that died creates a place for 10,000 apples maybe 20,000 apples and in every apple there's another hundreds of seeds and that one seed becomes 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Why? Not because I walked around with the seed showing everybody, here's my disappointment. Because I took the seed and I said, I'm going to get me a resurrection. And I took the seed and I planted it in the ground. Are you with me? I took that seed and I planted it in the ground and I waited. Sometimes what you think is dead is just longing to germinate. I, uh, I wrote a book, several books. <laughs> I've written several books. Thank Jesus. A man who can't spell. Resurrected. <laughs> it's a writing gift. I I wrote a book, called Spirit Wars. I signed a contract for this book. It was a really a story of my life, it's really a story of overcoming three and a half years of being demonized and oppressed and some things that happened in our family, it repeated itself and I laid on the couch for six months and in the midst of that six months and in month five, I uh, I was totally depressed. I've never been depressed in my life before that. I don't think I've ever had a depressed day in my life before that day. I had anxiety, but I had never known depression. I laid five months on that couch, hardly able to get up. Get up once in a while, try to come to work for an hour, end up in cold sweats, have to go home, just repeat itself. Didn't know if I was going to ever overcome it. Friends come around me and speak life to me. I had no hope whatsoever. But in the fifth month, something happened. Literally, I can still remember the morning, for about one hour, the depression lifted. Only one hour. And I I had depression, so I didn't want to live. The thing that kept me alive was my family. And when that one hour happened, I said out loud, laying on the couch, Kathy was gone, I said, you should have killed me, because now... I am going to tell everyone that you are powerless. And the next day, I had another hour. And the next day, another hour. And then pretty soon, the hour would turn into two hours. And the sixth month, I was off the couch. And I was so, I, on, and in the middle of the, the sixth month, I started writing the book, Spirit Wars. It was horrible writing. I had to throw it all away. couldn't use any of it. But I was like, you are going to be so sorry you didn't kill me. And you couldn't kill me because you have no power over me. And I began to write. It was really crappy writing, but it was the heart of it. I signed a contract two years later to write this book, Spirit Wars. And um, they gave me a royalty advance. And they gave me, I forget how long to write it, like eight months. And I started writing a book, but... As I would write the book, I'd be on the floor weeping. I was just trying to tell the stories, and I started reliving the story. And when the the book was due, I hadn't even finished half the book. Every day I wrote, I was on the floor weeping. My wife would come in, and I'd say, I can't finish this book. Every time I'm trying to tell a story so that I could teach about breakthrough, I relive the story, I cannot finish this book. So a month past the deadline, I called, and I said, I I need more time. And they said, well, how much more time do you need? I said, I don't know, three more months. So they gave me three more months, and almost a year passed. And I mean, I didn't finish one more chapter. And I called again and said, I need some more time, and they gave me another, forget how long. And finally, about a year And three or four months later, I called and I said, I'm sorry, I'll return your royalty advance. I cannot finish this book. And I explained to Jane, my friend, who was my connection to chosen books. I said, this is what's happening to me. I cannot finish this book. She said, okay, well, I'll get back to you. And the next day she called and she said, Dwight Baker, Mr. Baker, who owns the company, said, he doesn't care how long it takes you to finish that book. Don't return the money. We want that book. Now I agonized over that book for, I can't remember how long, but much after the deadline, and I finally finished it. If you have something that died... plant it's some place where it's going to reproduce itself 10,000 times. I've had that book. I've written lots of books. I get lots of feedback from certain books, but I've never had more feedback than that book. I have people write me all the time. I, I, I would probably be exaggerating to say daily, but I wouldn't be exaggerating by saying five times a week. I had a lady write me I think around three days ago, sometime this week, and she said, I gave my husband the book, Spirit Wars. Our marriage was over. He said, a week later, God totally delivered my husband reading the book. She said, that was last year. Our marriage is great, my husband's flying, And he read that book and he said, there's nothing wrong with me, I am not crazy. And he stood for himself, and he got delivered. And our marriage is amazing. I had someone write me yesterday and said, "Your your book, Spirit Wars, saved my life. I was going to kill myself. I read your book, and God delivered me from the spirit of suicide." <laughs> and what I'm getting at is that when you do, when something dies in your life, don't carry it around. You know, and I mean, you know, I understand grieving. By the way, if you've been through divorce, then you should grieve. And we should let people grieve. You understand? There's something that mourning endures through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How many understand that we have to do pain with people? We can't just cheer people up. We mourn with people who mourn. And, and I'm, please, I'm not downplaying that. But when the season of mourning is over, plant the seed. When the season of, uh, uh, of night is over, when you've got through the valley of the shadow of death, don't carry around a big sign that says disappointment and disillusion. Take that thing and plant it. Every time I go through something really hard, I write a book about it and make a bunch of money on it. <laughs> I know, people will get mad because I'm getting wealthy on, on the things that went wrong in my life. That's a whole lot better than getting depressed, and I've done both. Somebody yesterday or the day before, they keyed my Corvette. Came by and keyed my whole Corvette. I'm like, hmm, huh, wow. No, I, I could get mad about that. Or I could get bitter about that. And I know that wasn't the Lord. But I also know that He uses things to check our heart. And I'm like, that thing isn't an idol. It's not my life. It's not my identity. It's a car. I'm not going to lose I'm not going to become bitter with somebody who needs Jesus because they keyed my car. So I said, Lord, they keyed your car. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I wouldn't want to key the Lord's car. I started blessing them. I'm like, Lord, these folks, I don't know if they're jealous or they're just angry or they're just bitter, but I've been there. I grew up like that. I know what it's like to see someone who's blessed and be so miserable. You think, well, this will help you. I grew up like that. I understand what it's like to have somebody's blessing being right in my face when I'm miserable. I understand what that's like. And I reminded myself, it took me about three minutes. <laughs> Got to say, my first response was a word you don't use from the podium. But I didn't say it out loud. I just, whoop. It was just a brain fart. I just let it go, let it go. Just poof, let it go. And then I I said to myself, why would someone do that? And I remembered, you would do that. When you were a young boy in poverty And people showed off their prosperity. You would do that. You didn't see it as a sign that you could do this too. You saw it as somebody flaunting their wealth. You would do that. And I began to remember what it was like to be poor and feel like you're going to be there forever. Lord, bless that person who keyed that car. And may they own one of those someday. May they be... The person who grew up poor, the Isaiah 61 person who was oppressed, who was captive, who was mourning, and who was depressed, and they became oaks of righteousness. Lord, I pray, whoever that is, that they just catalyzed a resurrection moment in their own life. uh, Romans chapter 6. You guys all right? Whenever you have a disappointment, ask the Lord, how do I plant this? Because I don't think resurrections are about Easter. I think they're about life in Christ. I think every day is Easter. I'm right about that. You don't have to respond. I'm still right about that. (laughs) For a Christian, every day is Easter. Because how many know, the resurrection of Jesus was the firstborn, not the onlyborn. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. He wasn't the onlyborn. I'm looking at a bunch of them here. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say? Verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase, may it ever be? How shall we who have died to sin live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? We get baptism tonight. This is such a good word. (laughs) Therefore we have been buried. Therefore we have been, past tense, buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might too walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was, past tense, crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we may no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Well, I feel like I'm addicted to pornography. Well, you can feel that way, but it ain't true. No, I'm addicted to pornography. Are you born again? Yes. You're not addicted. Why? Because pornography is a sin, and sin's not your master. I feel addicted. How many of you have ever felt something before that's not true? You know, if, my, if I had a friend who lied to me as much as my feelings, I'd never trust him. I'm telling you, the, oh, the, there's a whole even Christian world out there that is living by feeling and not faith. And someone wrote me and said, well, my feelings are good because they, they tell me when God's near. And that's true. I like feelings. Who wants to be like on a Spock-like planet, you know? You know what I'm saying? We don't want to be on a Vulcan planet like, you know, some kind of ice cave. Like, ah, oh, you know, it's not logical. I'm not talking about that being illogical. I'm simply saying your feelings do tell you when God's near. But the problem is, is they don't tell you when He's near." Because my Bible says He's always with me, and my feelings tell me He's with me sometimes. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm just giving you an example. Sometimes my feelings tell me something's happened to my wife, and I get there and nothing happened because my feelings are not always true. And sometimes my feelings are true, but sometimes they ain't. (laughs) Are you a saint or an ain't? (laughs) That's a little joke anyway. I'm simply saying, that: Do I, am I going to believe my feelings, or am I going to believe my faith? And when my feelings and my faith are getting along, it's great. But when they're not getting along, I'm going with faith and not with my feelings. When my feelings tell me something that God says is not true, am I going to believe my feelings or my faith? Well, feelings feel more real, but are they? I might feel like a girl, but I'm a boy. My feelings are not telling me the truth. And by the way, my feelings lie to me nearly daily. Sometimes I run into people and my feelings say, that person doesn't like you. And I find out later, they really liked me. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing well, but the Holy Spirit says I'm doing great. Sometimes I feel like my preaching sucked, but my wife said it was great. Am I gonna believe my feelings or the Holy Ghost? All the preachers know, right? we have all been here before. How was that? That sucked. My wife's like, that's the best message you've ever preached. I don't know if that means all the rest of them sucked a lot more maybe. Come on, every day, are you with me? You may not be a preacher, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You text someone, they don't text you back for three days. You text them five times, they don't text you back pretty soon. You make up all kinds of stories. You were like, like writing a novel. And you make up a big story. Come on, shake your head yes, you know what I'm telling you. Uncle Chris is telling you the truth who make this big old story up about what, and you know, and they're gonna say this, and I'm gonna say that, and I'll tell you what, you don't have to text me back. I have have problems with you too. And Then two weeks later, they text you back, and they're like, we're in the desert, we didn't have cell, we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And you're like, you're so thankful you didn't write a big old tweet about that, or a Facebook post about certain people, and you describe them perfectly. Oh, you've never done that, huh? Oh, no, no, not you, because you're all holy people. How many of you have made up really big stories about things that are completely not true? And the rest of you, you were denial. And I'm not talking about a river in Egypt. Verse 8, now, I'm, no, I'm finally getting to you. It's taken a little while for it to germinate here. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, listen to this, has never again, is, ne- will n- is never to die again. You didn't get that. Knowing that Christ, having raised, been raised from the dead, unlike Lazarus, yeah. unlike Ezekiel 37, unlike the girl, little girl, unlike the, the man in Ezekiel's, I'm sorry, e- 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 Elisha's bones, Unlike that, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I said this a couple, three weeks ago. Jesus didn't just die for me, he died as me. Let me give you the verse first. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Colossians 3.3 For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Jesus came out of the grave, you came out with him. These folks, they got in the tank. When they got out of the tank, how me understand, this tank is a prophetic tank declaration. It's not a symbolic act, it's a prophetic act. They went in, they buried their dead man. The old man died. They came out of the tank, they came with new lists of life. Your old man's dead. Your old man can be addicted to sin, because your old man was powerless. But your new man, your new man is powerful. Sin does not have power over your new man. But I believe he does. Take your belief and move it this way because <laughs> how many know whatever you believe you receive if you believe you're powerless powerless or if you believe you're powerful you're right you're right either way because you extend your faith in the direction of who you're going to put your trust in you're going to put your trust in your feeling or you're going to put your trust in your, in Christ It's a good word, Chris. Thank you for that. Too late. So Delayed response is no response at all. <laughs> Look, I'm disappointed. Here it is. <laughs> Carry it around with me right here. I Just put it in here. I preached and they didn't say amen. Plant- <laughs> Got <the> boogers, too. <sighs> Jesus. John 11. Turn to John 11. I'm going to read some more scripture. (laughs) Verse 14. This is the story of Lazarus. I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories. We won't read the entire thing. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. This is Mary and Martha had sent a message to Jesus saying, the one who love is sick. And the Bible says that when Jesus heard that his friend was sick, because he loved him, He waited three days longer. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) What a friend we have in Jesus. All my sins are washed away. (laughs) Did you notice that Jesus waited for Lazarus to die? Sometimes God wants the thing that you're involved in to die. Not to kill you. But to see what happens when you plant it. You plant the seed, you get 10,000 more. So when Jesus finds out Lazarus is sick, he wants to make sure it's not just a healing. He wants to make sure it's a resurrection. Now Mary, she's not too hot about the whole resurrection, germination. She doesn't know about this germination message. And Martha, especially Martha. Verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. And Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask, God, he will give you. Now, I like this story a lot because Martha and Mary, they're sisters and they are polar opposite. Kind of like Chris and Bill. (laughs) A little bit like good cop, bad cop. I know. I know you're trying to figure out which is the good cop and which is the bad cop. <laughs> and Martha and Mary, they send word to Jesus three, four days, and Jesus waits or three days. And he, it's, it's one day's journey, and he gets. Jesus gets there four days late. Figure out the math. They send the word to Jesus four days ago, and Jesus waits. It's only one day's journey. He waits three extra days and Lazarus is dead. And Martha, she is not in a good mood. It says, if you read the whole, the whole uh, story, it says when Jesus was on the way, he had not arrived yet. Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she goes out to meet him. She walks about a half day's journey and to meet the Lord. And she's like, I'll put it in a little bit of the amplified version. Where the heck have you been? (laughs) If you have been here, this would not have happened. But even now, I know whatever you ask God, he will do for you. And she's saying to him, listen, I don't know where you've been. We called for you four days ago. The one you love is now not sick, dead. Dead, that's dead. (laughs) Like, what's the hold up? I mean, you know, we're supposed to be your friends here. okay? If you had been here, if you had been here on time, this would not have happened. But I know that whatever you ask God, he'll give you. So you can still fix this. It's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. What does Mary do? Cries. It is cries. Mary always cries. Martha's mad at everybody. You remember the first time Mar- Martha and Mary are mentioned? Mary's working in the kitchen. Mar- I'm sorry, Martha's working in the kitchen. Mary's like you know sitting at the feet of Jesus hey, a friend we have a G. and Martha comes out and she's like I'm doing all the work I mean is this okay with you that I do all the work this is how it works around here I do all the work and she sits on her butt and, oh watching TV yeah she's watching soaps and here she is watching you I'm doing all the work I mean come on let's have some black and white justice going on in this house now you remember after the resurrection of Lazarus, which we're going to read about in just a minute, they're at Lazarus' house, and what's Martha doing? Serving. What's, what's Mary doing? Weeping, washing Jesus' feet, you know, with, with perfume. I'm sure Martha's like, she's already tried, like, to get Jesus to, like, tell her to help me. And now she's wasting the family perfume on him. Oh, my goodness. And I love Jesus' response. Mary's like, and I know whatever you ask God, he, God will do for you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone will live. everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I have past tense believed. I have past tense believed. Listen to this. That you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. I have past tense believed. I love that story. She said, I've already believed that. I listened to you when you made me sit at your feet. I got it. I took notes. Mary didn't take notes. She was just weeping, weeping. the notes right here. I have already believed that you are the Christ. I love it. Fast forward. We're fast forwarding through the story of Martha, Mary. Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So again, Jesus being deeply moved within came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased said, Lord, by now he stinketh. That's the King James. I still have to read it in the King James Version. For he has been dead four days because you're late. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Remove the stone. I just love Mary. She's like, Lord, listen, I believe you're the resurrection. But this is going to be really stinky. I'm thinking... Maybe leave the stone. You can raise him from the dead. He can move the stone. I don't know what Martha's thinking, but somehow she has to like correct the Lord, like continually correct. Does anyone else have a relationship like that? Lord, Lord, not that way. Like, Lord, I want you to answer my prayers, but not that way. That's kind of stinky. I like to go around the stinky part, just go right through into the good stuff. Anybody else like to tell the Lord how to answer the prayer? Like, you pray, Lord, I need money, but I want it this way. <laughs> I don't want to have to work for it. I don't want to have to ask for it. I don't want it like to travail. The travail, that's old stuff. I want to, I want to veil, not travail. I want to marry a rich man. Okay, and it needs to be like six 2 you know, and by the time you pray that prayer for about 30 years later, you're right. He just needs to have teeth. Have you noticed how perseverance sort of decreases your expectation? <laughs> and Jesus said to her, I, Did I not say, already to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Remove the stone. Martha, get out of the way, man. Just move the stone. Do what I said. Didn't I tell you about this? Listen, no, I'm late. It's all right. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said, it's so that they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. I'm almost done. Sometimes things are alive but bound. There are things in our life that have come to life, but they need a village. Sometimes the Lord raises it from the dead, but he requires us to be in fellowship so someone can unbind us. We get out of the tomb, we're alive but bound. And the Lord's unbind him. I believe there are things in our life that are alive but are not productive. And some of that is because one of the ways the Lord delivers us is with other people. And some of you, I just have this picture. I didn't preach this earlier today, but I have this picture that a lot of you are like, if this is the way life's going to be after the Lord, yeah, I was supposed to die, but then I'm alive, or He brought me out of this thing. He brought me fix this in my life. But, you know, if this is the way life is, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to do life like this. And I want to encourage you, you need a friend. I'm talking about a real friend. I'm not talking about a Jesus, you know, you're good, I'm good. I'm talking about if you're down and in trouble, that kind of friend. Somebody that will come in, and they'll tell you the truth. And they'll let you go. No, it's all right. I want to give you six signs that you're living... A resurrected life. They'll just be quick. The first one is, the signs that you're living a resurrected life. Number one, the tomb is empty. There's no skeletons in your life. You have no evil secrets. The tomb is empty. Number two, your grave clothes stayed at the tomb. I love this verse. Romans thirteen twelve. Therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Did you get that? Lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. When you come out of the tomb, you need new clothes. Don't, carry, don't wear the clothes you wore when you went to the tomb. Get some new ones. Number three, many of your friends rose with you. You have fellowship with other people who rose from the dead with you. You're no longer a long ranger living in isolation. Number four, other people tell your stories. You have supernatural testimonies that encourage the body of Christ. You know, I want to tell you something. You know, I, I was born again at 18. I'm 63. I don't know. Do the math. 45 years. It's all good. But if the best testimony I have is 20 years old, something's wrong. You know, I realize that my body is getting older. There are things I can't do. There are things I can't remember that I can't do. There are things I'm glad I forgot, <laughs> but while my outer man is decaying, as Paul said, my inner man's getting stronger. There are things in the natural I can't do, but there are things in the spirit that I can do that I can never do when I was 18, 20, 30, 40, or 50. And what I'm getting at is, I want my best testimonies to be recent. I don't want my best testimony to be, "Tell my story 20 years ago." Listen, history's great, but I don't want t- I don't want history. I want his story. I want my best testimonies to be last week, not last year. I want, I want to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. I want other people to tell my testimonies. I don't want to just tell theirs. Listen, I want to tell your testimonies. It's all amazing. But I don't want to tell your testimonies because I ain't got my own. Good word, Chris. Thank you. Number five, you help people who refuse to believe like Thomas. This is a sign that, you have a, that you're lead, that you living a resurrected life. You help people. People who don't believe, like Thomas. And number six, you get along with people you used to argue with. Did you ever notice that in Acts chapter 1, it says that 120 of them were all together with one mind? That's a miracle. Jesus had 12 of them that couldn't get along. And they're all together with one mind. Why? Because they're living the resurrected life. You get along with people you used to not like. I mean, think about it. How do you get Peter in a small room with 120 people and have Peter get along with anybody, much less everybody? I would say that was a miracle. And part of what happens when you live in the resurrected life is you actually have fellowship with people you used to not like because you start to see people not as they are, but as God sees them. Would you stand? Let me pray for you all. If you didn't hear anything else I said, Tonight, hear this part. You've got something in your life that died. I mean, something that shouldn't have died. Go find it. It has a purpose. And the purpose isn't to torment you with what should have been. The purpose is to take it and put it in a culture that will grow it. And let me tell you, before it grows, it germinates. It will look deader when you plant it than it did when you took it out of your wallet. And when it's really dead, it will start to grow a tree. Take that thing. You, you went through a divorce. Okay, we know that pain in our family, not fun. And when the mourning season is over, plant that thing. Say, I'm going to save a thousand marriages. My divorce will heal our family. We will no longer have divorce in our family. I'm going to plant this in the ground, and that thing that's a failure will become a victory. Whether it was your fault or whoever's fault, you know, that thing is no longer going to happen in our family. And you begin, I'm going to write a book about divorce. I'm going to tell everybody what it takes to have a great marriage. I know what it takes to break one. I, just whatever it is in your life, it failed. You're just like, I am not a failure. I'm a resurrection. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to pray for you all right now. Now, there are folks in this room that you may not know Jesus. I don't know how you got through the baptism and the worship. And you're like, I don't know how I got here. I get that. We all know. Could have been with strangers and others. Or Maybe you're watching by Bethel TV and you don't know the Lord. Or maybe you're somebody who you walked away from the Lord. You were like Peter. You denied... Jesus, many times. And you're like, I don't even think I'm a believer anymore. But you're watching me. That means the Holy Spirit's still working in you. Or maybe you're one of the believers I described a few minutes ago. And you're like, I'm alive, but definitely not living a joy-filled life. I am bound. Wherever you are tonight, Jesus wants to heal you on Easter Sunday. Think about it. On Easter Sunday, you'll remember this Easter the rest of your life. You say, that's the day I received Jesus. That's the day I came back. That's the day I got unbound. That day, That's the day the Lord healed my lupus. That's the day the Lord healed my marriage. <clears throat> so first I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for all these wonderful people and people watching us on Bethel TV. Lord, I just pray that you would touch them with resurrection life. Lord, I pray for the addicted. I pray for the broken. I pray for the... The depressed, the disillusioned, the sick, the shattered minds, the depressed, the mentally ill. And the stories just go on and on. Lord, wherever there's a crisis, there's a Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you never run away from a crisis. You are not the light at the end of the tunnel. That is a lie. You are the light in the tunnel. You are always with us. My feelings say you're not with me, but you said I'm always with you. I never leave you. And you said, wow, we were still sinners. You were with us, and you loved us. So, Lord, I pray for every single person in this room that you would be in their crisis, that you would be in their death, that you would be in their disappointment, their disillusion, and so on and so forth, that you would be right in the middle of it. And, Lord, that you would be the catalyst and that today, tonight, tomorrow, it would germinate and we begin to see signs of life. I think an apple tree is going in my death. I think that thing's growing. That thing I planted, it looks like it might be growing. It might be growing because it is growing. And Lord, we pray that you would reproduce 30, 60, 100 fold, 10,000 fold, thousands of seeds, thousands of apples, millions of people be touched by this story. If you're in here tonight and you don't know the Lord, I'd just like to ask you right now to acknowledge I need the Lord by raising your hand, you're just like, that's me. I'd like to just, I'd just like to get right with the Lord. I remember I did this when I was 18 years old. If you need the Lord, would you just raise your hand tonight? That's me. I'd like to, I need the Lord. Good. It looks like we're all family in here. That's really good. If you, if you feel like you're alive, but bound, you're like, I, I need help. Can I have the prayer teams come right now, Please. You need help? Would you just raise your hand? You're like, I, I, have help. Good. There's people here, all over the place. You're like, yeah. That, when you said that, that's me. I'm not, I'm, not living. I'm alive. I love Jesus, but I'm not living a happy life. It's good. And then how many of you have places in your life you need a resurrection? You know what I'm talking about. Holy Spirit was talking to you when I was sharing stories. How many of you? Would you raise your hand? You're like, I need a resurrection. A part of my, life. I do. I have three places in my mind right now, and there's probably 100 places, but I'm very aware. As I was preaching, I'm like, Lord, that's my seed right there. I plant that person. I plant that situation right there. I plant that that sickness right there and let it be a resurrection. If you need Jesus someplace in your life, I want to invite you to come up and let these folks pray for you. And I, I believe there's an anointing on these people to unbind people tonight. I believe there's an anointing on these people to actually make a difference in your condition. Like, I don't know what your condition is, but I think there's going to be something like tonight you're actually going to set sail on the journey of your life. And these folks, they're going to unbind you. They're going to help you. They're going to free you. They're going to heal you. They're going to give you a word. Something's going to happen tonight because I had a feeling that the prayer teams tonight would have some kind of a Catholic anointing on them to shift your situation. As I know that God's shifting mine this afternoon. So I bless you. Let's go ahead and continue this same spirit. Thank you very much, you guys. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed that message. You know this podcast exists to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience all of God's goodness in every area of your life. I want you to know God's abundance from the inside out. So just a quick reminder that one of the best ways to do this is by reading my newest book, Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. It's just released and now available for purchase wherever you buy your books. Check it out if you're tired of living with the never-enough mindset and want to move into experiencing the wealth of heaven regardless of your circumstances. Don't forget to let me know what you think. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a blessed day.